Welcome to the TubeBuddy Express podcast, brought to you by TubeBuddy, the number one tool to make your YouTube life easy. Each week, we discuss how you can utilize TubeBuddy to enhance your YouTube experience and make your life as a creator easier. And now, here's your host, Dusty Porter. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Dusty here, the host of the TubeBuddy Express podcast, where each and every Friday, I get on here for about six to 10 minutes and talk to you about something, a strategy, a tip, or maybe even some news that can help you move forward uh, and spread your message over on YouTube. Uh, quickly, would like to remind you to check out TubeBuddy, the primary sponsor, obviously, of this show. It's that one tool that I'm always recommending to folks when they ask me if they said, you know, if you could only pay or, you know, could have one tool for your YouTube channel, what would that tool be? And I honestly recommended TubeBuddy before I even started working with them. So the fact that I now work with them just makes it a whole lot easier. Go check it out if you haven't already. All right, we're going to just dive into the topic this week. Um, you can probably already tell from the title of the show. Um, we're going to be talking about, number one, the future of children and kids content on YouTube. But if you're not one of those types of creators, don't hit the you know back button on this podcast because we're going to be talking about obviously not putting all of your eggs in, in one basket and kind of what the future of that is. Um, and so with that being said, if if you don't know, at the tail end of this here episode on the TubeBuddy Express feed, I'm going to, uh, to attach on an interview that I did this week on my other podcast, the YouTube Creator Sub Show, where I interview a wonderful children's creator, kids creator. Well, I don't even want to call him that. But anyways, he's in that niche, uh, possible niche. You'll hear the interview and you'll understand why I'm so confused on this because Honestly, there's so much gray area within this whole thing with the whole kids YouTuber thing. You're going to see what I mean. So if you want, you can stick around to listen to that interview. It's like 30 minutes of my myself and Kevin from the Chapman Family Vlogs channel. Over 100,000, almost 100,000 subscribers now. Um, he's right in the middle of all this. He knows much more than I do. And so we get into the weeds when it comes to this kind of thing. So basically what happened is this, just a short form version. Obviously, there's more details to this. YouTube was hit uh, with $170 million plus fine um, for some things that happened in the comments section of specific videos in, in a kids and, and children's niche video. Um, because of this, this led YouTube to further investigate and figure out what they could do to eliminate and make sure this did not happen again. Their decision on this is to basically, um, in a, a few months, deem anyone who watches a video um, an, an adult unless you say otherwise. So what I mean by that is that in a few months, YouTube is going to have another checkbox to tick that says, is this kids content. If it is, they will remove notifications and comments as well as the ability to have targeted ads run on that video. Now, many people have asked, what is the percentage of targeted video ads as opposed to just not targeted, right? Because there's only two different options, right? As far as what we're talking about in this case. I don't know the exact number. I do know when I spoke with Kevin, I've been reaching out to other uh, kids YouTubers in the space. I've actually spoken to one YouTuber who has multiple millions of subscribers across a couple of channels, all in the kids space or what YouTube would consider to be for or directed to kids. And he says that this would cut their revenue down by 60 to around 75%. Now, again, these are not direct numbers. These are not exact numbers. There's no science to this. Um, but I would say that that's a huge number. Now, what qualifies your content as kids or children's content? That's a good question. I don't think YouTube knows. They want you to know. Um, that's what the, the checkbox is for uh, when you say, hey, is this for a child 13 years old or younger? Now, it's up for your discernment. Now, now, 
What happens after that is the algorithm, the YouTube robot that we all know at times can do a decent job, but for the most part, doesn't do a very good job until it learns. Uh, Kevin, actually, in the interview, you'll hear he talks about a, a season of his YouTube channel where basically for almost six months to nine, six to nine months, uh, the YouTube robot would basically demonetize every single one of his videos. And then when he would appeal it within 12 to 24 hours, they would revoke it and he would get monetization re-enabled. But that would, you know, as a vlogger, the 12, 24 hours, 48 hours, the first, you know, little while of a video, that's the most important time when it comes to monetization and actually getting money from that video. And so that was a pain in the butt, obviously. Uh, and so with that being said, I don't know how much faith I put into that. So let's say you say, okay, well, this video is not for kids. This is not kids content, but the algorithm says that it is. Well, is there you know, going to be an appeal process? I think there may be, there will be. If so, how does that look? How long will it take? Then that leads to the question of this. How are you to determine, well, my, my content is strictly for kids? Because like in Kevin's case, you're going to hear in this interview, he talks about, well, well with his vlog, you know, a lot of the, the majority of his audience are adults. It's not necessarily kids. He does a lot of video game and gaming content as well. He says, that's not for kids. He doesn't create that for kids. In his mind, he's creating that for other people his age. And so what deems content for kids? Now, obviously, the reason behind YouTube doing this, and many people have asked me and emailed me this, is say, Dusty, why is YouTube doing this? What is the main purpose or goal of doing this? What they're trying to do is they're trying to filter, at, filter out or eliminate the bad guys, right? Like that's the goal of all of these sweeping changes. What happens is with these large sweeps of their hand, YouTube is also, when they're throwing out that large net, they're also catching a lot of good guys as well. That's the only way I know how to put out the algorithm, or not the algorithm, that's the only um. That's the only way I can really explain it to you guys as far as giving it kind of a visual example. YouTube's throwing out a net, trying to catch all of the bad guys by eliminating the comments, the notifications, the, 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 the child predators out there. But also within their cast of that net, they're also getting a bunch of good guys as well, which is very, very frustrating. Now, an article on The Verge says this. It says, YouTubers say kids' content changes could ruin their careers. YouTubers already transitioning to other niches or other types of work. Uh, the FTC Trade Commission, if you don't know, fined YouTube $170 million for collecting data and targeting ads for children or to children. Uh, alleged violation of the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. Uh, for YouTube, this is a relatively small fine for me and you. Obviously, it seems ginormous, but $170 million bucks is a slap on the wrist, but it's a lot of money enough to make YouTube make these changes. Um, it's 1% of the service revenue, just in case you want to know. For anyone making videos in, in one of these spaces, the kids' space, the changes will be significant. Features like comments and notifications won't be available on videos. YouTube CEO Susan, I always mispronounce her last name, Wajiki, I don't know, said in a blog post responding to the settlement, it's also likely that these videos will not be able to run targeted ads, which could affect monetization. There isn't no could, it will affect monetization. Um, one creator, Creekcraft, uh, over 750,000 subscribers says this, it's kind of like they're killing video game content. Now, I don't think they want to do that. That's a big and large part of the community over on YouTube. Um, so again, it's a very much a gray area. So like, let's play video series, tutorials, or even gameplay compilations? Is this considered to children? What if you are a comic book YouTube channel covering comic books? Um, is that something that you're you're going to have to, to, to worry about being demonetized? There's so much gray area that I'm really worried about 
you know, kind of the, the future and kind of what that is. Uh, so basically, it says here the landscape on YouTube is going to change dramatically, but that isn't going to stop children from going to YouTube. This is probably the most critical, important uh, comment made on this article. Again, it says the landscape on YouTube is going to change dramatically, but that isn't going to stop children from going to YouTube. The one thing YouTube can't do is to monitor every human being's iPad or phone or computer in the whole world and to determine if that person is 13 years old or above. Kids are still going to consume YouTube content. It's up to the parents and the adults and the supervisors to, to manage the content that they consume. As a parent myself, I watch and, 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 and try to keep a close monitor on what my daughter is watching. Okay? So... At the end of the day, it says this here. It says, the irony, which this is funny, is that many of the creators who will suffer the most got into family content because the system seemed to favor content that appealed to a younger audience. Now, this is an is a, is a, is a interesting topic. So YouTube does favor, seems like the algorithm favors content for younger creators, more family-friendly stuff, and now these people are the ones who's getting hit with this. Again, it's a weird dichotomy that's happening now. Um, so basically, it's one of those things to where uh, it says here, what's left for people to advertise on? Because now you can't advertise on content aimed at kids. They're already not monetizing a bunch of other content. They're already not running ads on channels where people curse a lot, channels where people talk about mental health issues and other politically correct or whatever you want to call it topics. So in conclusion, <laughs> I want to say this to you out there listening to this. This is not to scare you. I think YouTube is going to be fine. YouTube is going to be great going in the future. But if you are one of these people creating kids content, you better know what the rules and regulations are. You may want to reach out and figure out, can you start a Patreon campaign? Is there other things you can do to monetize your content? Because again, I hope you haven't put all of your eggs into one basket. Because if you have, this may be a very, very big hit to you and your family and the support system that you've set up on YouTube. I want you to know, this is not the end of kids or children's content on YouTube. Maybe they have to restructure. Maybe YouTube offers other ways for people to support those channels, uh, like channel memberships, super chats for live streams, other things I think that are coming down the pipeline. But with that being said, also channel memberships, those aren't going away either. But you better start looking and, and moving things around and being willing to pivot, as I always say, uh, if you are one of these creators. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Hopefully this was informative and helpful to you, even if you weren't in the kids' space. I encourage you to stick around to listen to that chat I had with Kevin over on my other podcast. It'll come up right after the ending of this episode here, and I will talk to you guys next week. I am super excited today to be joined by Kevin Chapman. He's a full-time content creator based out of the UK. He produces daily family vlogs as part of the Chapman family, gaming content on both YouTube and Twitch, and is an Amazon best-selling author. Back when he had a real job, he was a computer science teacher, but he says that feels like a long time ago. Now, Kevin, how you doing? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Um, I'm going to set the stage. I already have in the opening of this podcast. This is going to be uh, a very much, not really a different type of show, but it's going to be a show where we cover a little bit of kind of the recentness of what's going on with the children and kids creators and, and the different changes that YouTube have already announced and are going to be implementing within the next few months. But before we even dive into any of that, Kevin, will you let my audience know a little bit more more about you and the type of content you create yeah absolutely i mean as as you said i've, I've got my 
I've got many areas of the internet that I get involved in. Um, I've actually got three YouTube channels. Um, one is my uh, one is my family vlog. One is my uh, well, then I've got two gaming channels. So uh, lots and lots of gaming content going out on YouTube. I also uh, I also live stream on Twitch. I write. I um, yeah, I like to keep myself very very busy. It's I, I meant you mentioned before it's a long time since I was a since I was a teacher. It also feels like a long time since I've had a day off or slept very much because it's um, it's very a very busy life. This content creation daily. But, yeah, uh, yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Um, like I say, lots and lots and lots of variety, loads of different kinds of content. And I think that's probably one of the strengths that I've got as a creator through having multiple different channels that aren't too tightly focused down on any one niche. It means I can be quite flexible and create whatever content I feel like creating and kind of keep it fresh by not feeling like I'm doing the same thing every day. So it's um, it, it's my way of managing a very heavy workload. <laughs> and your family vlog channel has done really well. You're approaching the 100,000 subscriber mark. So congratulations on that milestone um, with your two gaming channels doing well uh, also. And so um, the, the, the elephant in the room obviously is kind of what's going on and what's going to happen with YouTube with the, uh, the kids and children's content. Content, and we're going to definitely tackle that here very shortly. But I want you to just talk about briefly what it takes to be a creator and to, you just mentioned it, you know, not getting much sleep and working to crazy hours. And you and I both know how insane it is. People think, well, you just upload videos. It shouldn't be that hard, right? <laughs> um, unfortunately, that's not the way much of this stuff works. So um, with that being said, what, what what are some things that you would recommend or some some different things that you've learned growing, you know, multiple channels now and doing some live streaming? What are What are some bits of advice that you would give to people who are wanting to get into what we do? I think the the most important thing is focus on mindset stuff rather than gear because a lot of people when they're trying to get into when they're trying to get into content creation one of the first questions I always get asked by new creators is what kit do I need what gear do I need what camera what microphone um what what's the technicalities of doing this how do I put the right tags in my videos and all that stuff is is nice to know nice to have stuff but it, that isn't what makes or breaks your success as a creator. If you don't get the mindset side of things right, you don't really stand a chance. You have to go into it with open eyes, willing to put in the hours, knowing that, I mean, I, I don't think I'm alone in saying that my first probably 18 months on YouTube as a platform, um, I made zero money doing it. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's not something that you can go into looking for a very quick reward, quick quick positive feedback but if you go into it for the right reasons because you enjoy doing it and um, because you enjoy the challenge of doing it um, and get that mindset stuff right then the other stuff kind of can come along later I mean when I started out I my very first YouTube video uploaded it's only four uh, nearly five years ago but it was a, a gameplay video on my gaming channel it was I had no camera I didn't have a proper microphone I didn't know how to edit it was it's a terrible terrible video the audio is terrible the video is terrible but it was it was enough to give me an idea of of what this whole youtube thing is about and i've made i've made daily content ever since that day and just focusing on trying to make each content 
each each piece of content better than the one before and it's that mindset side of things that is more important than any kind of quick fix tip or trick that anyone could ever give you i think what was the hardest thing for you like going from a full-time day job whether it be a teacher or whatever someone else who's listening to this does right now from a nine to five what was the most difficult thing for you as a creator where you're like looking back now you may even still struggle with Mm. it you know being a creator I think that I think my biggest struggle is something that I do still struggle with now. I mean, I've been a full time creator for two years now since I left since I left teaching. But because I started my channels alongside quite a quite a high pressure, time consuming job for me, YouTube was something that I always did in the evenings and at weekends. And we even had it when we were trying to arrange this call. We tried to arrange it for a time that didn't quite fit into what I'm trying to force myself to call my working hours because I was so used to working every hour of the day, whether it was at my day job or at my YouTube side hustle thing, Mm -hmm. that when I went full time, I very quickly fell into the trap of from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to bed, I'm working on my YouTube. But Mm -hmm. I'm, I have a family, you know, there's, I've got three kids, I've got a partner. We, it's not realistic long term for me to work every single hour under the sun and it's trying to learn how to do work-life balance when especially as a a daily vlogger because my life kind of is my work I I create my work based on what I'm doing in my life and it it's really hard to work out where that line is between right this is no longer work time now I'm going to put my phone away I'm going to close my laptop put the cameras down and just do something else and that I still struggle with that every single day knowing what time is is shut off time and even when you do stop for the day if you're not really disciplined about turning notifications off on the phone mm-hmm. actually turning the don't just walk away from the computer actually turn it off mm-hmm. because if there's any way for any kind of notification to come up it drags you straight back in and once i'm back in i can be back in for hours and uh, yeah it's a, it's a, it's an ongoing challenge you know i've i've often wondered and you mentioned something here in that answer, and I think you you're, you can tell how smart you are about this. And it is very important to really focus on trying to get the whole work-life balance thing right. But I've often wondered for vloggers, how do you turn it off? How do you know when, okay, this will be good to vlog? And also, how do you – and this has always been a challenge for me to understand from talking to a bunch of high-profile people who vlog on YouTube – how do you not just do stuff in your day-to-day life just to vlog, if that makes any sense? Like, how do you how do you not, I guess, offset the balance of kind of what you would normally do in a day-to-day life? So talk about the life of a vlogger for a minute yeah. <laughs> and kind of how you balance that act and that, that kind of tightrope. Yeah, I mean, I wish there was an easy answer to any of that, but it is constant experimentation and a lot of getting it wrong. I mean, the, the part about doing stuff specific for the vlog, I, I don't. But it, it loses the, the realism of the vlog if you go out there and you're doing an activity specifically because of the blog, vlog. But on the flip side of that, as a vlogger, you get opportunities that you wouldn't get otherwise. So there are there are things that naturally come up that I will do purely because I am a vlogger. I'm not necessarily doing them for the vlog, but I'm doing them because I'm a vlogger. Like we might, I mean, as an example, um, like two weeks ago, we went on a, a trip to Legoland in London. And um, that was, a, that was a, a branded opportunity with Legoland. Now, so we wouldn't have gone to Legoland if we weren't there for the vlog. But then when we're there, okay, how much of this 
do we do we just have a normal day out at a theme park or do we are we trying to sell the theme park and uh, lots of brands sort of give you a point give you pointers about how integrated they want branding stuff to be but it's um stuff like that is it's a minefield working out how much to show how uh, which bits how long how long do we have to be there for as an example is there any parts of the park they necessarily want us to go to um so that and that's just one one day the complication that goes into that but on a on a day-to-day basis i think the the thing that i try to do and rarely succeed 100 in doing is i like to start the day with a rough idea of what that day's video is going to be about that's easier if it's a day out at a theme park or uh or if i'm on holiday or you know if i know we're going somewhere to do something it's it's fairly easy to get a rough structure of what that video is going to be in those days uh easier to produce a video for than the the, than the in-between days the days where we are just kind of at home having a normal family day because a normal family day kids go to school dad goes to work mum goes to work that's that's not fun to watch as a content it's watch as content it doesn't make for good video so i you can't do that too often and those videos become more engaging when the stuff happens organically throughout the day but obviously if something's happening organically throughout the day it can then completely mess up the flow of your video so as an example if i don't know if i've if i start a video at 8 a.m and i've already recorded six seven minutes of content of little things that have been going on throughout the day and then as an example like one of the kids comes home from school sick and that then becomes what that day's vlog is about well then how do i restructure that video because Mm -hmm. do i have the first six or seven minutes that are nothing to do with what i've probably called the video and probably put in the thumbnail do i restart the video and what i usually find is at the end of every day i have a lot more content than i end up using and it's kind of trying to trying to capture the moments that feel like they could capturing the interesting moments but then at the end of the day trying to piece them together into some kind of coherent narrative is the biggest that's the challenge that people don't see because they think oh you're just pointing the camera at it putting the putting the uh putting the clips in chronological order and releasing the video and if it was that easy oh my life would be so much simpler (laughs) oh man how how interesting of a dilemma right very few people probably have to deal with that as there probably are not too many vloggers out there but the people who are can definitely relate to that um what what a what a fun behind the scenes look of kind of how you handle things i i love that i think that being a vlogger seems so easy to most people but to me it's one of the hardest things um i'm i'm consulting a couple of vloggers right now doing some work with them and it's it's one of the harder things to be able to to help someone with because of how Mm. difficult and how how however changing it is um, and it's so cool to hear you talk about the behind the scenes of kind of what that looks like. Um, so let's go ahead and divert a little bit to talk about what I really want to discuss with you about. Um, the majority of your content that you've talked about today um, is very much garnered or in YouTube's eyes, you know, focused towards children or kids or younger people. Um, so before we even get into how it's going to affect you and other creators, can you please explain in a better way than I know I probably did at the opening of this show, what exactly is happening and what changes YouTube is making to and for kids creators? Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the key part of the change, I think the, the big headline 
that people are seeing and not necessarily seeing the detail of um, is that YouTube are demonetizing kids' content. I think that's the, that's the thing that spread around the internet like wildfire last week. But it's not quite as simple as that because what they're actually doing from – and I've had – a couple of conversations with representatives of YouTube themselves. I've spoken to my management. I've spoken to other creators. Um, and it, it really doesn't seem like it is as simple as that. And there's a lot of it that's still a little unclear. But the general gist of what they're doing is if if a, if rather than rather than basing the advertising and the, how they deem a video to be on the person who they think is watching, mm -hmm. they're doing it based on who they think the video was originally targeted at. So previously, the adverts that would run on a video would be personalized to the logged in user who's watching that video. But they're no longer able to track that data of anybody who is under 13 because they've had a massive fine for doing that. But the problem they've got is, as we all know, this kid's content isn't being watched by people who are logged in as seven-year-olds because they're not allowed to have an account. So mm -hmm. they've, they've either created an account under a fake age or they're logged in as their parents. So there's no simple way for YouTube to not collect that data on those children because they don't know who the children are. So the way they've had to twist it around is rather than it being based on who the viewer is declaring themselves to be they've just had to put a, a blanket decision out of if a piece of content is targeting children then there will no longer be that data collected on any views on that video even if it's an adult viewing it they data won't be collected on that video because that way they can be sure that they're not collecting data on children and what that means for the advertising side of things if they're not collecting any of that user data they then can't serve personalized adverts um so the adverts that target the user so it's not that adverts are going away on kids content completely but the the number that can be shown is being massively reduced because it's just the non-personalized ones which is i don't know what the percentage is but it's a very small percentage of ads that run on youtube are the non-personalized ones and then feeding into that as well as well as vastly reducing the the revenue that kids content creators can bring in um, they're also removing some of the features that again might not be seen as suitable for children things like having notifications on uh, being able to comment on the video so it's it's completely spun it on its head any content that is targeted at kids is suddenly treated as if it's kids watching even if it's not and that's where that's where the panic and the confusion comes from because there's a whole lot of people out there who aren't sure if the content they're creating is targeting kids. And so there, there is, and I don't mean to interrupt you. I think you were about to hit on this. There is a lot of gray area. What, yes. what deems a piece of content directed at kids as opposed to a piece of content that is not? I asked YouTube that exact question and the, the quote that they gave me is the exact same quote that they used in their blog post when they announced it. Um, so I think this is very much the YouTube party line on it and that that is you as a creator know your content better than anyone. And that that's what they're, that's what they're quoting. So first, the first, um, the, the first area where it's going to be decided is content creators are going to have to declare themselves 
whether or not their content is targeting kids. Every video, previous content that you've already created and any new content that's created for all creators, there will now be an additional box on the dashboard that will appear at some point over the next three or four months that says, is this content targeted at children? Is that upon upload? That's upon upload, but it'll also be it'll also be something that you have to go back and do on previous content as well. Presumably, again, that's that's an assumption that I'm making based on the fact they've said it can it's sort of retroactive for previous content as well. So when you're uploading content, it will ask you if the content you're uploading is targeted at children. And as a as a first as in a, in the first instance, they're then relying on the content creators to be honest and they i'm trying to find the email now because and there was some wording that they use that's their first line of defense is that everybody who uploads a piece of content from now on forward in a few months once this goes in once this is implemented we'll have a new box to check is this for kids or is it not is that what you're saying absolutely okay yeah. so uh, i have so many questions and kevin if you don't <laughs> know an answer to one of these questions then please feel free to just say i don't yeah, know no worries um so my first question goes to the fact of what is your biggest concern? Um, what, is, what is your biggest concern as far as obviously monetization, the, the, the ability to run uh, ads and things like that? So I guess the first question should be like how much of your income right now currently is coming from that ad revenue and, and what's your biggest concern going forward? See, for me, I, I'm – leaning towards thinking that I, I'm not sure my content falls into this category at all because I don't think the content that I'm creating is made for children. It might be about my children, but I'm not, I'm the person who talks to the camera is me and I'm not talking to kids when I'm talking to camera. I present my videos as if I'm talking to other parents or other adults. So this is this is where the this is where my big concern comes from because I think I'm gonna tick the no, my content is not for children. But I found the email now that they sent me because off the back of the um you know your content better than anyone thing, um the additional the end of that sentence is you need to consider your applicable legal obligations when evaluating whether your content may be made for kids. Um, including blah, 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 how a child is defined in your country. And then they've specifically listed things that could mean something is kids' content. So kids' content can be considered videos that have an emphasis on children or children's characters, popular children's programming or animated characters, play acting or stories using children's toys, child protagonists engaging in common natural play patterns, or popular children's songs, stories, or poems. And then we kind of loop back round to the, well, what is the definition of a child? Because obviously in the UK, a child is considered a child until they're 18 for some things, 16 for other things. YouTube themselves allow someone to open an account and be considered as an adult from the age of 13. So my youngest child is 13. So I think this is probably where I'm going to need to take some legal advice as we get nearer to this because it's 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 that gray area of well if my youngest child is 13 because the only one of those categories i can possibly fall into is uh, having a child protagonist because my kids are in the videos 
But but Kevin, th- this this whole thing that you're saying, this is what worries me the most. Is that I agree with you. I think that there are loopholes, and I think there are ways for creators to say, well, my stuff isn't for kids. But are they saying that if a kid, if just one kid wants to watch your content, does that deem your content child watchable? Or I mean, there, there's so much uh, yeah, gray area it's very, here. It's very difficult. How, how how are they going to determine? And isn't this going to be a, a, a situation where they run into? problems with advertisers who say well you know you're having some creators saying their stuff is for kids i mean like you think of someone like pewdiepie one of the biggest the biggest youtuber out there i mean is he gonna say well you know i do gaming content my stuff's for kids no not really because a lot of his content you know is for people above the age of whatever they're deeming kids so i guess my concern is that there's too much gray area here Mm. And, and that's that's where the big scary thing comes in because their their failsafe is their machine learning algorithm, which obviously anyone who's ever been caught in the demonetization trap before will know just how inconsistent the the machine learning can be. We had a spell probably a year ago where every single vlog that I uploaded was flagged as not suitable for advertisers, but then on appeal was overturned. So I it was probably went on for about three months where I was missing my first 12 hours of ad revenue because every single day I had to appeal the the demonetization. Every single day they said, yeah, your video is fine. But it took three months. And for, for a, the vlogging, like a vlogging channel and a community like yours, the, the first 12 hours are some of the most important. Absolutely. And, and it was effectively 100 consecutive videos. And that's how long it took for the machine learning to learn. So I'm, I'm not fully confident that the machine learning side of this will leave us out of the net but looking at all of the criteria then then surely we must be but it, it's really difficult getting back to what you were saying about wh- what kind of impact it could have on me um thankfully because i have like we said at the start quite a diversified income um it's it wouldn't mean ruin for us and i know there are a lot of families out there who their family vlog is their only channel it's their only source of income that all their eggs are in one basket and it's something i've always been very careful not to do because i have three children i'm trying you know i i like to think i'm a sensible adult i was a teacher previously you know i i gave up a good job to do this i wasn't going to give up a good job on a whim that could be taken away at any point so my the the ad revenue from the vlog is probably maybe maybe 30 percent of our total income but i mean that's still nearly a third of my income it will hurt for sure if it all goes away um but it won't lead to ruin but it's it it would make the vlog unsustainable long term if if it got to the point where we could never we could never run ads on our videos again then how much longer do we carry on daily vlogging for if that area of our business isn't making any money do i drop that and just make an extra gaming video every day because if i can do that then and they're earning money and they're quicker to make than the vlog is we already talked earlier in the earlier in the podcast about how time consuming the vlog can be in that edit finding that story from the day as much as i enjoy doing it if it's something that if i have to go through another three months of demonetization is it is it justified carrying on or do i have to again take a sensible family decision and 
write another book with that time. <laughs> but then, but then video. You, you also have to consider, well, are they going to deem video game content as just for kids? Because this is where, again, a lot of the gray area comes in. There's a lot of stuff out in the news where bigger gaming channels who, by the way, have put all their eggs into one basket and the only income they have is the revenue they make off of YouTube. Now, some of them stream on Twitch and do other things like that, which is great. But, you know, how do we know that YouTube isn't just going to say, oh, it's got a video game in it. This is automatically for kids. Now, you and mm. I know I'm an adult. You're an adult. We play video games. So obviously we know that's not the case. But how do we know that they're not automatically going to just lump every gaming channel into that category? Yeah. I, and it's again, it's uh, it's a very difficult gray area because obviously video games have age ratings. So, again, it falls back into the how do you define a child if somebody's making content on grand theft auto which is an 18 rated game how can that content possibly be for children because it's an 18 rated game but obviously kids are watching so who where where do you draw that line and if you say well okay 18 rated games they're obviously not for kids we'll let them through the net well what about if you have a creator Let's take PewDiePie as an example. He's played a lot of 18-rated games in the past. So we're saying, well, those videos are obviously not for kids. He's currently playing Minecraft a lot. Now, Minecraft is, uh, I, don't, I doubt it even has an age rating. It's, it's a game that kids love to play. So is the fact that he's now playing Minecraft, does that mean some of his videos are for kids and some of them aren't, even though they're presented in exactly the same style? It, they're still very clearly PewDiePie videos. They're just with different games basically as his canvas to go and do PewDiePie things on. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a difficult one. I don't know if you saw the, uh, the Philip DeFranco video on it when he, when, when it was all first breaking and he, he kind of facetiously said, are we going to see creators dropping the odd F bomb in a video to say, well, look, I'm swearing. It can't possibly be for kids because I'm swearing. And are you going to have a situation where people are choosing between do I want to get caught in the not advertiser friendly algorithm or do I want to get caught in the for kids algorithm? How do you find the balance between the two of them? And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a confusing it's going to be a confusing couple of months. It's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out. And uh, I imagine there's going to be a lot of people rushing to set up Patreons and bring out a new line of merch and whatever other income streams people can find um, to, to try and kind of fill the void that they could potentially be left with. Like I say, I'm I'm still I don't, I don't want to use the word comfortable, but I'm I'm fairly confident I'm not going to get caught up in it based on the conversations I've had with YouTube, with my management, we're all, we're all pretty sure my channels will be okay. But that doesn't mean the algorithm won't catch them and we won't get caught in the being overturned manually on review for however many months thing again while the machine learning catches up. And of course, it's happening at, uh, at, at the worst time of year anyway as a content creator for revenue this all kicks in in january when we all take a bit of a hit every january every way after anyway after a good november and december for ad revenue january is when it's traditionally its lowest anyway and we're potentially going to be hit with a double whammy of well your ad revenue is low but don't worry you're not getting it anyway i think this is so i don't i don't even know how to put this it's it's concerning 
obviously, and I hate it for those people who it's going to impact. I think another thing that concerns me is just the future in general, because if this is something that can happen to, say, this type of content, what's to say they can't categorize something else? And I understand this is coming. They got, they got a slap on the wrist. They had that huge fine where they had to pay a whole bunch of money. I get all of that. I understand the the kind of what triggered this, but it really makes me worry about the future. And so let me ask you this. Going forward... What are you going to do to try to future-proof your content? And if you're talking to other child and kids creators out there, what would you encourage other creators to do to make sure they don't get stuck in the middle of all this? I mean, it's it's kind of the same advice that I would have given four years ago, ten years ago even, before I was even making YouTube content, uh, back when I was just writing and doing podcasts and things. Um, And that is don't ever put all of your eggs in one basket. I mean, YouTube, I think anyone, I said it before with the mindset thing, if you're going into this with your eyes wide open, I hope there is nobody committing to being a full-time YouTube content creator, assuming they're going to be a YouTube content creator forever because YouTube as a site won't be around forever. YouTube as a viable source of income won't be around forever these things always come in waves. Imagine if we'd have all get quit our jobs to be MySpace content creators 10 years ago and lo- looking back and uh, trying to transport ourselves back 10 years and you wouldn't have, ima- it might be longer than 10 years now, but you, uh, we wouldn't have dreamt that MySpace was going to disappear. Friends reunited. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That w- I mean, that doesn't even exist anymore, but that was huge. And these uh, social media comes in waves. And I think you have to be, you have to be flexible. You have to keep your options open. You have to, you have to have your 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 finger in many pies. So that's why I stream on Twitch. That's why I have a Patreon. That's why I have merch. That's why I write books. And I think the the short term fix that every content creator should be looking to, and I have seen a few even take these steps already, is have an open dialogue with your audience. If you know you're definitely getting caught up in this, for example, if your, if your channel is based around unboxing, um, blind bags for kids, little mystery boxes, then obviously that is kids content. You are not going to be earning advertising revenue on that anymore. Um, I, I saw a video from someone who does online art lessons for kids obviously they're getting caught up in that because it's content that is obviously and deliberately targeted at children. And it's just a case of having that dialogue with your audience and saying, look, this is, this is the situation come January. I'm not going to be able to earn any money from advertising on my videos. And what that means is, and then explain what it means for your channel. If it means that you can't continue to make content, be honest with your audience and say that and tell them what they can do to help. So if, if all my ad revenue is taken away and I don't replace that income, I'm going to have to go back and get a real job again. That means rather than making five videos a week, I'll make two a month or I won't be able to make videos at all um, because that's all I'll be able to fit. And I'll continue doing it because I love it, but I won't be able to earn money on it anymore. So I have to earn money another way. There is this alternative though, where if I can earn X amount per month through Patreon or through a members only website or through whatever other means, YouTube channel memberships. Um, as far as I'm aware, they're not going away. That wasn't mentioned in the blog. Um, so there's lots of different alternative sources of income. So be honest with your audience. Say, look, if you if you want me to carry on making the same content I am now, 
Um, this is how much I earn off of YouTube at the moment. So if I can earn that amount off of Patreon, then I'll carry on doing exactly what I'm doing. It will just be supported by you rather than the advertisers and I'll appreciate it. And it'll be awesome. And you get to keep the content you love and I get, get to carry on doing what I'm loving. And it does mean that probably there's going to be some creators who can't carry on and that's awful. But it's, I think if you were, if you didn't go into it, I mean, I fully expect to be a teacher again one day before I retire because I think I'd be, I think I'd be crazy to think that this was always going to be here. It's a lot of fun now and it's perfect for my family circumstances now, but you know, I'm a family vlogger when my kids have all grown up and left home, what am I going to vlog about? <laughs> it was, it, it, it was always coming to an end at some point anyway. Yeah. I think the reality of the reality of it all is something that there is a small percentage not to get people depressed about being a creator, because I think it's one of the greatest things in the world. And I think that a lot of people who listen to this podcast are not looking to do it full time. They're looking for a, a fun side hustle to make a little extra change and that's fine. But the reality of it all is that it's one of those things to where we have to be real with ourselves and understand that things like this are going to happen and to prepare ourselves for the worst, uh, for the worse, and to understand that it's okay to, to, to feel down and, and about about these things. Just prepare yourself. Don't put all of your eggs into one basket and just read the fine print. Understand that there are things out there that you need to learn about and understand. And I really hope that people um, weren't, solely counting on YouTube ad revenue to provide for their family, those are the people that I worry about the most, um, mm. is the people who are you know using the red re revenue to support their family, their children, their, their spouses, whoever it may be, their partners, and that really worries me. Um, and I hope there are very few of those people out there, but something tells me that that's not the case. Um, and so in closing, we've already gone a little long today. I knew that we would. Uh, first off, I want to say this, Kevin, you are super smart. You were super informed. Thank you so much for being willing to share all of this with my audience. I feel like there's so much to be gained from this right now. Um, and I feel like the more, you know, the better you can combat this and the better you can figure out what you need to do for your specific channel and your specific type of content. And so with that being said, uh, is there any closing remarks that you'd like to say, Kevin, for those people out there or just uh, for creators in general as far as moving forward? Uh, what would those kind of parting words be? I think it just links all the way back around to the mindset thing again. If you if you uh, if you're doing this for the right reasons, if you're doing it because you love it, then you can still love it after all of this. You might just have to do it a little bit less, but it can still be a super fun hobby. It can still be a super fun side hustle. Mm -hmm. um, there are still ways to make a living off of doing it. You might just have to change it what you do. If you were only ever in it to earn a quick buck because it looked like an easy way to get rich, then uh, not to put it too bluntly, I'm probably not going to miss you anyway <laughs> because, you know, it's, I'd like to think that people are in it for the right reasons and stuff like this, although it, although it's, it's terrible if people are using it to support their families, we've all got four months to, to figure out what our plan B is if we don't already have it in place. And even if this current situation doesn't affect you at all, if you're, if you're making videos, uh, doing car reviews or something that obviously doesn't fall into this, mm -hmm. but you're sitting there thinking, I don't have a plan B it might be time to get that plan B in place just in case it's your type of content that is next on the list. Mm. So that would probably be my big advice. Get a plan B, get other streams of income. Absolutely. And Kevin, where can my audience get in touch with you on the internet? 
Uh, the easiest place is through my YouTube channel. So it's uh, youtube.com slash the Chapman family um, or social media. I'm at Lelujo on all social media. So L-O-L-L-U-J-O. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all under that name. So if you have any further questions, feel free to fire them over over social media. Well, I cannot thank you enough, Kevin. Thank you so much, as always, for um, for coming on and sharing your uh, knowledge with us. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Two Buddy Express podcast. Don't forget to uh, go in the show notes of this episode and take a listen to my other YouTube-centric show called YouTube Creators Hub, where I interview wonderful creators. And also, if you haven't tried out TubeBuddy's tool, click the link in the show notes, go download the free browser plugin or extension, whatever you want to call it, and boom, try it out. I promise you will not regret it. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and leave a review as that does help us grow the show.